Congregation, our text this morning was part of our reading in Philippians chapter 1, and the text will be, or the focus of the sermon will be on Philippians 1 verse 9, and we'll read that again. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the command to love one another is not new. It permeates the Christian experience. In fact, 1 Corinthians devotes an entire chapter to love, calling it the most excellent way. There the Lord instructs us that love is necessary for the Christian life. Each of us is called to love. But do we pray like the Apostle Paul? Do we pray that your brothers and sisters will abound in their love more and more? Because if it's so important, wouldn't we want that for one another? So if we are not praying that love may abound within the church, why not? Our reading this morning shows Paul, the servant of Christ, praying for all the saints at the church of Philippi. Praying that their love may abound more and more. And shouldn't that be our desire as well? Therefore I preach to you the word of God under the following theme and points. Paul prays for a growing love among the saints at Philippi. And we will see Paul's thanksgiving for the love that is shown, and we'll see Paul's petition for love to increase. Beloved, our text records the Apostle Paul praying that the Philippians' love might abound more and more. And this raises a question. Was there a lack of love? in the midst of God's people in the church at Philippi? And if that was the case, why does Paul continue to express thanksgiving for the Philippians? He does so directly after God's greeting in the opening salutation of his letter, which we read. Our reading in verse 3 says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In plain language, Paul is saying, I give thanks to God every time I think about you. But he's not giving thanks, beloved, because they had arrived spiritually. No, he gives thanks for the love that he's observing. But that doesn't mean there was no room for further growth in their spiritual life. We can gather from his prayer in verse 9, that they still had some ways to go. As a result, he prays that their love might abound more and more. Congregation, I invite you to consider the love that the Philippians showed and the need they had to increase and grow in their love for one another. The thanksgiving expressed for the congregation at Philippi would have been a striking feature of a letter written in the Greek style. 
The typical letter format in the Greek world of that day was to extend well wishes for the recipient directly after the greeting. But Paul doesn't express well wishes. No, he expresses thanksgiving. There is a certainty in Paul's expression that a wish just doesn't express. He doesn't just wish them well, but expresses thanksgiving that many things were well among the Philippians. Things were heading in the right direction. The expression also indicates the direction of his thanksgiving. He thanks my God. He's not thanking the Philippians. No, his expression of thanks is directed towards heaven. He, acknowledged the so- he acknowledges the source of their growth. And this conclusion is confirmed by the Greek word used here for thanksgiving. It's typically used for a prayer of thanksgiving directed towards God. It's the same word used in Matthew 15 and Mark 8 when Jesus gives thanks for the loaves and fishes before he feeds the 4,000. In congregation, there is something else strange about the direction of Paul's thanksgiving. Consider that Paul is writing his letter from prison in Rome. The Philippians, having learned about Paul's imprisonment, had just sent a gift to Paul for his support via Epaphroditus. It was through Epaphroditus that Paul had received news regarding the church at Philippi and had provided him with the occasion to write a letter in return. And now, rather than thanking the Philippians for their gift, he thanks God. Think about it, beloved. Is that how we respond when we receive a gift from a brother and sister in Christ? When we receive something, do we see the one who is ultimately the giver? Usually we thank the giver without acknowledging the ultimate source of such gifts. And so, beloved, the next time that you are on the receiving end of the loving generosity of a brother and sister in Christ, consider the source. Consider how we should respond to having received God's generous support through the church community. So often we can be short-sighted in this matter. Do we give thanks to God for our brothers and sisters in Christ who give generously to meet the needs of those who are in want? After all, giving is not our natural inclination. How giving was Jacob when he wanted the inheritance of his brother Esau? What about Achan, who was required to give all the spoils of Jericho to the Lord? Consider the generosity of Ananias and Sapphira, who held back some of the proceeds of their land when giving to the church. No, brothers and sisters, our natural inclination is to think of our own needs and wants. Paul gives thanks to God because the generosity of the Philippians was a display of the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the people. What had begun at Pentecost was taking place here among the Philippians. They displayed the same attitude as we find in Acts 2, verse 45, where it tells us they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. 
And so Paul is making it clear to the Philippians that he is thanking God for them. And as we continue to verse 4, we see that this is not a one-time thing. No, Paul is continually giving thanks for them. As the reading indicates, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. It was not a burden for Paul to pray for them. He was overjoyed to see the Spirit at work, and as a result, they had become an ongoing source of joy so that he could pray with joy. And he's not just praying for some of them. No, we shouldn't overlook that little word, all. He speaks of all my prayers for all of you. He's giving thanks for the whole congregation, not just the leadership of the church or the most mature and faithful members. No, he gives thanks for all. That means the weaker member who are struggling with their sinful inclinations. That means the sick and the handicapped and the elderly who may not have the strength or ability to be active in church life. It means the difficult brother and sister who might get under your skin from time to time. It means the divorcee and the single parent who bears the stigma of a failed marriage. And don't think the Philippians had arrived. Paul has to instruct the Philippians in chapter 2. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. In chapter 4, he addresses a dispute between two members of the congregation. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. We could just as easily infuse some Dutch names there. He could be addressing his concern here in Owen Sound. I entreat Sister Jonestra and I entreat Sister Van Doe to agree in the Lord. The point is that Paul is joyfully giving thanks for the whole community in spite of of all their blemishes and shortcomings. There may still be work to be done here in Owen Sound. The more and more of our text points to the need for more growth, but Paul is still thankful for what the Lord had done within the congregation. And what was the reason for Paul's joyful thanksgiving? We find the answer in verse 5. He's giving thanks because the Philippians' partnership in the gospel. They had made it their business to support the spread of the gospel. From the inception of the church at Philippi, the Philippians had made the concern of the gospel their concern. Verse 5 says, from the first day until now. To understand what Paul is referring to when he writes of the first day, we need to consider our scripture reading in Acts 16. The first time Paul goes to Philippi, there is little in the way of faith. He goes outside the city to meet with the worshipers of God. There Lydia, a seller of purple cloth, has her heart opened by the Lord. The book of Acts says she was a worshiper of God, but had not received baptism. She had not come to know Jesus Christ fully. And so in terms of faith, perhaps she was a one out of ten. She believed Paul's message. And having been 
Further instructed, she's baptized along with her whole family. And how does she respond for having received the blessing of salvation in Jesus Christ? Acts says, she responded to them, saying, If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. She wants Paul to know that her faith is real. And she wants to show it through her expression of generosity and support. An expression of love to the brothers and sisters in Christ. She wants to support Paul's effort. So she insists that Paul and his companions stay as her guest in her house. She wants to share the financial burden of promoting the gospel. And so she gives from the financial blessing that she has received for the cause of the gospel. And in the course of time, while they were busy proclaiming the gospel as guests in Lydia's house, Paul casts out a demon. The owners of the formerly possessed girl have Paul and Silas beaten and thrown into prison. But the Lord had a plan for Paul's imprisonment. Through a miraculous earthquake, the doors of the prison are opened. The jailer, feeling, fearing that the prisoners had escaped, was about to take his own life when Paul assures him that they were all accounted for. And as a result, the jailer seeks to be saved. And having received Paul's message, he and his whole household were baptized. And again, what was his response to this wonderful blessing? First, he dressed their wounds, and immediately following the jailer's baptism, he brings them to his house and he sets food before them. Again, here is someone who had zero faith, suddenly busy, meeting the needs of Paul and his companions for the cause of the gospel. A display of love and an expression of the communion of saints. From the very start of the church at Philippi, they had supported Paul's work. And their generosity had continued According to Philippians 4, verses 15 and 16, the Philippians had supported Paul in the proclamation of the gospel long after he had left them. And he reminds them that you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs Time and again. This was the ongoing practice of the Philippians. He had just received their most recent gift for his support while imprisoned in Rome by the hands of Epaphroditus. They had supported his ministry from the time the church was planted until the writing of his letter. And now that Paul has drawn the Philippians' attention to his reason for offering his prayer of thanksgiving, he expresses his confidence in their continued support. He says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. The Philippians' love for the gospel and their generous support were the work of God. Through his Holy Spirit, he had brought about growth. Lydia, the jailer, the generous brother or sister in the pew next to you, 
They are a testimony of the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Paul has every reason to give thanks because our God does not leave the job unfinished. He is the one who has begun a good work here in the church in Owen Sound. And we can be confident that he will continue to support his work, encouraging growth until the day that Jesus Christ returns, when his work will reach its fullness. And in response to this knowledge, Paul says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all. It is right for you, beloved, to feel this way about your brothers and sisters in Christ, to continually thank God for the work that He is doing in each and every one of your brothers and sisters. And you will notice that Paul uses that little word again, all. Some may be farther on the road to maturity in Christ, but regardless, he holds the Philippians in his heart. Why? Because they share with Paul in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace has the desired effect. The Philippians are beginning to emulate Paul in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. The work that they were supporting through Paul is being put into practice. They're willing to defend the gospel of Christ and to stand firm. The word used for defense has the same root as our English word for apologetics. They were willing to argue in defense of the faith, bearing witness to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in their midst. The word confirming has the sense of maintaining solidarity. Together, they stood firm on the truth of God's word with Paul. They even shared in their willingness to suffer imprisonment. And this is exactly what begins to happen in Philippi. At the end of Philippians chapter 1, we read, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now here I still have. Brothers and sisters, the church here in Owen Sound has been busy supporting the work of mission in the ERQ in Papua New Guinea. And we talked about our collection for Mission Aviation Fellowship. You've supported many other causes of Christ. Christian School, Anchor Home, ARPA, the Theological College, to name a few. But Paul says to the church in Philippi, that further growth is needed. What about us? Is there really a need for more love? Aren't we doing what we're supposed to do? What Paul is saying when he prays that their love needs to abound more and more. Looking at all the things that we've been involved in and supported, and still, do we need to love more? Does Paul have it right? And that brings us to our second point. Paul's petition for love to increase. In verse 4, Paul indicates that he prayed regularly for the saints in Philippi. And now he shows the Philippians the content of his prayer. 
Paul prays that the Philippians might display more and more the sign of God's work. Paul says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. So where does Paul see the necessity for growth in love? When we look a little closer at Philippians chapter 2, we discover that there are all kinds of issues in the congregation that stem from a lack of love. Paul instructs the Philippians, be of one mind, which means there was disagreement within the congregation. He says to do nothing out of rivalry and conceit, but to be humble. So pride was a problem. He says, look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. An indication that selfishness lived within the congregation. The church at Owen Sound may support the gospel. Especially when it's far away. But how are you doing here on the home front? Within the house of God where you worship from week to week? Is there room for growth here? So what does Paul envision when he prays that their love may abound more and more? He says that growth in love is necessary so that you may discern what is excellent, what is best. In Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7, we find the answer to what Paul considers to be best or excellent. Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the law of love, displayed this excellence. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Love requires that we are willing to be the servant. It means that when there is a disagreement about the word of God, that I am willing to submit to God's authority as his servant Because I love him. It means that when there is a disagreement between brothers, I am willing to serve my brother by taking the lesser position and considering my brother better than myself. Why? Because I love him. It means that when there is a decision to be made, I consider the impact it will have on my neighbor and act for the benefit of my neighbor rather than myself. Why? Because I love him. And how far do I need to go on the road of servanthood, brothers and sisters? Consider how far our Lord and Savior has gone for us. Philippians 2 verse 8 says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And when we consider that, then Paul's prayer needs to be our prayer. Because we do not love as we should, nor can we. Brothers and sisters, let it be our prayer that we may love more and more. And so, approve what is excellent, what is good. And Paul adds to his prayer that knowledge 
and all discernment accompany their love. The word for knowledge points to something more than just simple head knowledge. It refers to a full, intimate knowledge that comes through experience, a personal, intimate knowledge. And the word translated as discernment has the sense of spiritual insight and wisdom. And so Paul prays that their love might be expressed wisely, showing an intimate knowledge and insight into spiritual matters. It was true they had made some progress in love, showing great concern for Paul and the spread of the gospel, as many churches thankfully do. And it's a reason to rejoice that the church here at Owen Sound supports many of the causes of the Church of Christ. And it's right and fitting for those of the faith to desire the world to know the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's an expression of love to desire and support the proclamation of the gospel to those who are lost, who are on the wide road that leads to destruction. This is an obvious response to having received the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul wants to, us to express love in its fullness. He wants it to overflow not just on the mission field, but in the very midst of this congregation. And why? Paul says, so that the Philippians might be blameless on the day of Christ. Lydia and the jailer started as zeros in the faith, but when God began His work in them, their faith displayed itself through their partnership with Paul in the gospel. Perhaps in terms of growth, they were fives out of ten, but God's work didn't stop. They continued in love expressed in good works. But God wants them to be complete in their faith. He wants them to be tens. And so Paul prays for continued growth. So it's fitting that Paul singles out the bishops and overseers in, in his greeting. They have a task in leading the congregation in love. The Lord wants the congregation of Owen oh, sound to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit might perfect us. And that is Paul's desire for his brothers and sisters in the church at Philippi. That their love might be perfected. That on the day of the Lord, they would be pure and blameless. It's Paul's desire that love will lead to the Philippians being filled with the fruit of righteousness. An increase in love bring for, brings forth fruit. Those filled with the love of God will be fruitful. And why? Because that is the purpose for which God has called you. In John chapter 15 it says, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And when the members of the church at Philippi display their love and fruitful living, it will be to the honor and glory of God the Father in heaven. God began the work, and He will finish the work, and in the end He will be glorified by that work. And so Paul's prayer has as its final outcome the praise and glory of our awesome God. 
Paul's desire has become the desire that God had in the beginning. He prays that God's purpose for man might be fulfilled in the church at Philippi. Lord's Day 3, question and answer 6 tells us that man was created so that he might rightly know God, his creator, heartily love him, and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him. When we grow in love, more and more our God's work is displayed in us to his honor and glory. Paul gives thanks for the display of God's work among all the saints at Philippi. Their commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ displayed zeal for Paul's ministry. It was a source of joy and affection for Paul because they shared the grace of Jesus Christ as we do with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul confidently prays that their love might grow more and more. He prays that the church might experience even more growth in love, bearing fruit as a consequence of God's increased grace to the church at Philippi. And isn't that what we all need? Love is the fulfillment of the law. This is what 1 John 3.23 tells us. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. That is Paul's prayer for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, beloved, should you pray that the love of God would abound more and more among your brothers and sisters in Christ? Absolutely. May this be our prayer, that the saints might more and more display the love of God in fruitful living until that great day when his love is perfected in Jesus Christ. For his praise and glory. Amen.